In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're continuing this sermon series on the Eucharistic prayer, Roman canon, that is used at Mass by the priest so as to foster a greater understanding of what's going on at the Mass, increasing our love for our Lord in the Eucharist as we continue through this Eucharistic revival throughout the United States. If you have them in your pews, you can follow along still in the pamphlets. We're still on page two. If you're using the Missal books for the Mass readings that you pulled from the vestibule, uh, you should be on page 283, 283 in that book, page two in the pamphlets. A lot of what I'm going to say today I provided for you with the online bulletin email and is also attached to the bulletin, but it's thanks to a uh, particular webpage from the Catholic, National Catholic Register website by Kevin Camillo of what I'm going to teach you on today about these saints. Last time we concluded with the words, your blessed apostles and martyrs, and then the list of the saints' names begins, Peter and Paul, Andrew, and so on. So these are the first few names are the apostles. And after that, we get into some of the interesting characters we may not know so much about. So the apostles include Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude. Now, I would go into preaching on those particular men. However, you know a little bit about them simply by us hearing about them in the gospel mass readings. It's the following names, starting with Linus, that I'm confident the majority of us have no idea who these people are. That's who I'm going to talk about today. So, starting with the first one, Linus. This guy is Pope number two. He is the second pope of the entire Catholic Church and the history of our faith. And you're going to hear a consistent theme with a lot of these names. They're martyrs, and particularly for the popes, the early popes. Remembering the history of this time period, we're talking Acts of the Apostles just after the Acts of the Apostles, very early days of the church years. And what's happening is that the Roman Empire is looking upon this new group, Catholics, as an uprising because lots of people are becoming Catholic. They're going away from Roman pagan worship, and they're growing and growing in vast numbers. Even though they're killing them, so to speak, left and right, it seems like they keep popping up more and more still nonetheless. Well, if you're the Pope, you're the leader of this uprising for the Roman Empire. So you have a target on your back, your front, all over the place. You're the main guy to kill because with the old um, militaristic type of mentality, if you kill off the head, the rest should crumble. But for the Roman Catholic Church, that doesn't happen because this is the church founded by God himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. So with Pope Linus, as you can guess now, he was a martyr. He was Pope for just a brief period in the 60s, possibly in the 70s, not too 100% clear on that, but nonetheless in that particular era. The next name, Cletus, Cletus was also a Pope and he was also a martyr. He was a pope from the mid-70s to the mid-80s, AD, and we don't have much information about him simply because he was pope primarily when the church was very underground, very secretive. Next is Pope Clement. Pope Clement was actually ordained by St. Peter himself, and we don't have much on him either, but we do know that he died as a martyr as well. Pope Sixtus. He is the first pope with this name. We say that because there were a number of popes that took the name Sixtus as well. Also think of the Sistine Chapel. 
The Sistine Chapel, the beautiful chapel in Rome where Michelangelo uh, painted his beautiful images, that is named after Sixtus. So he, we commemorate him, but, and uh, he is also, as we can guess, another early martyr for the faith. Cornelius is another pope that's a martyr. He died in 253 AD. His memorial is actually on September 16th, and he was a huge defender of the Catholic faith, but also of papal authority in particular. Now the next name, we know more information about him. Cyprian, not pope, but a bishop, Bishop of Carthage. He, as you can guess, he was a martyr as well. He died in 258 AD. We do have some of his letters and what's also called an acta that are extant that are used in the divine office. Divine office is the prayer books that the priests, deacons, monks, nuns, clergy throughout the entire world pray on a daily basis. They, his readings, if you ever have a chance to look them up, this is St. Cyprian here, absolutely amazing, beautiful, edifying, spiritual, deeply rich in theology to help us understand more about our faith. He was actually born a pagan, but converted to Catholicism. And he actually laid the groundwork in Carthage for the great bishop of Hippo, St. Augustine, the St. Augustine. The next name, St. Lawrence. Now, this has a special place in Deacon's heart because he is the first deacon that's mentioned in the Roman canon. And he has a pretty neat, interesting story. So St. Lawrence, he was uh, kind of honed in on the, uh, in Rome itself. He's famous because of how he died. Now, he was roasted to death on a gridiron. So think of like your own grill you have at home with hamburgers and hot dogs and whatnot. Now think of a human-sized grill. That's what he was killed on. And while he was being roasted to death, I'm not going to get it correct verbatim, but he, this is a true story where he said something to the effect of, well, I'm pretty well done on this side. You need to flip me over to his torturers. He was, of course, martyred then and, uh, and is a deacon, the martyr deacon mentioned in the Roman canon. The next name is Chrysogonus, a very peculiar name. We don't have anyone named Chrysogonus in the parish. Uh, a very early martyr. He was a layman. He was a layman and a catechist. He was very much in nascent Rome in the church at the time. And as you can guess, he was a martyr, but his martyrdom was different. He was martyred by decapitation, and then he was thrown into the sea. The last two sets of names are actually two sets of brothers. John and Paul, not to be confused because they are different from St. John, the evangelist, the apostle, different from him, different from St. Paul, the one who wrote the letters in the New Testament, different from him. John and Paul, brothers, they were actually in the service of the Roman Empire as officers. So they had significant influence thanks to their positions. They were martyred during the reign of Julian the Apostate in the year 362. The last two names, Cos Cosmas and Damian, they're brothers, they're martyrs. They were known as the moneyless ones for their refusal to take a fee for their medical practices. They are, kind of a good thing to keep in mind here, they're the patrons of doctors, nurses, surgeons, dentists, and inexplicably, 
confectioners. So anytime you have a doctor's appointment coming up next, have to deal with nurses, surgeons, or a dentist, etc., think of Saints Cosmas and Damien, ask for their intercession that it may be a good appointment. Now, arguably, this is the first pair of martyr saints whose rather slim historical information we have rapidly spread into a full-blown cult in both the West and East, replete with churches and icons in their honor. Their date of martyrdom is around 287 A.D. So that's the conclusion of the first list of saints' names. If you go back to the actual prayers that are said at Mass, Right after the names of Cosmos and Damien, the text continues with, And all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers in all things, we may be defended by your protecting help, through Christ our Lord. Amen. That summarizes but there's a, why we mention these saints' names and brings in a greater depth for it as well. So we mention these saints' names, not just to make Mass longer, but rather... It's to remind ourselves of these great men and women who lovingly gave up their lives exceptionally so right from the beginning of our faith and through the earliest of years, even through the time of great persecution, as we just heard with all these different martyrs. So for us to be inspired ourselves to be similar, to have that great drive of God the Holy Spirit to be saint-like as well in our own contemporary day and age. Additionally, we are asking for their help and intercession at Mass. Like the words say, through their merits and prayers and all things, we may be defended by your protecting help, defended from evil, defended from evil falling upon us, defending us from falling into temptation, and the like as well. Additionally, we're about to, at this part of the Mass, soon going to get into the consecration. So we're asking these saints to help us be more engaged, more focused, on the real presence of our Lord about to become present to us in the Eucharist. And in addition, not just the real presence of our Lord, but the whole reason why we're here worshiping God. The beautiful love of our Lord's passion, death, and resurrection being made present on our altars in unbloody form because of the Eucharist. We are asking these saints to pray for us, that's why we mention their names, to help us be engaged and focus more and more on the action at the altar so that we may not get distracted to the best of our ability because we're still sinners, so that we can fall more deeply in love with our Lord. That's why we're here, to worship Him and to show Him the greatest amount of love in this most intimate moment of worship, of love, of praise, of prayer in the holy sacrifice of the Mass itself. That's where we will conclude this weekend. Um, and please return these pamphlets to the pews. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.